Turn in your Bibles to Acts. Now, normally, if, if I was doing what I prepared for, this is, this is a very important message today. Very important. Do you hear me? All of them are important, but this one's very important. So if you don't hear this message today because you're, you're going to kids' church or you, you're going you to have to listen to it on the podcast. Um, last Sunday's message, I, I preached it. Last Sunday, I preached it, right? I listened to it twice this past week on the podcast. Listened to it two times. So I preached it, then I listened to it, and then I listened to it again. We don't pick up everything the first time we hear. Your favorite, favorite movies, think about how many times you've watched them. You know, I've got kids who can quote things from the Incredible movie. The, the Incredibles, you ever seen The Incredibles? That cartoon movie? Superheroes? They were supers. And they had to, they had to uh, you know, live, try to live a normal life. That is a very spiritual movie. Think about that movie. It would be like telling us if we were holy, spirit-filled people, we have superpowers. You know that you have superpowers when the Holy Spirit's in you. And then people tell you, don't use it. You don't want to stand out. And you try to live a life like everybody else. That would be a horrible thing to do. To not use the superpower that God has made available to you. And notice in the movie that each person had a different gift. You know, all these movies take their ideas from the Word of God. Almost all movies do. But then there are some that are very evil and they take all their words from Satan. We can, we can feel it. We can see it. Now, today, I would, what I prepared for was to get back into Hebrews and be in Hebrews 10, but I feel led by the Holy Spirit to do something different. So I'm going to start this sermon. And if I notice that y'all aren't really into it, and you're not paying attention, then I'll stop and I'll go to the other one. Okay. I think y'all all pay very close attention. There, we, ha we have an internet. We have the World Wide Web, and there are people who post stuff on YouTube and Rumble and all these things out there that you can get to at a moment. You just pull, pull it up on your phone and you can get to these things, and there are people, people that get very popular. I even went and looked up uh, Dan and Joy's grandson and watched him chase storms. He's a little crazy, but it's cool. It is so cool for them to chase storms. And it's like, a tornado, let's go. And I'll be like, no, it's a tornado. Let's go this way. Let's run. But there's some really cool stuff on the internet. There's cool stuff that you can watch. And sometimes people use it for good, but a lot of times people use it for bad, and we've, we see that. We've got to learn how to not go to those places, and, and you're going to be tempted to go to those bad things that are on those sites. 
but we have to steer clear. So I just happen, because of the things that I look at on YouTube, I get ministers and churches pop up on my YouTube feed. I'm not looking for them, but they just come up. When you notice that when, when your phone, the people who are tracking you, when they realize who you are, they can figure out who you are really quick. They figure out if you're a woman, whether you're a man, and just those two things will cause certain things to come in because you're a man. Just, just for the fact that you're a man. And you will be tempted to go to things that are not good just because you're a man. Satan knows how to tempt you. All right? So we know that. But I get all these things on Bible teaching and ministries and stuff like that. I get a lot of that. It just comes up. Which I guess is a good sign that I'm looking at good stuff. But even in the, what you think is good, there can be some bad hidden in it. Satan is a master deceiver. He will come at you with almost all truth to get you to believe the one little lie that he's really pushing. Okay? To get you off course. Now, um, there, there's this one minister that popped up and I listened to his sermon. And I liked what he preached. It backed up what I preach on creation. And he was preaching it, so I was interested in it. And it lined up very, very well with what, how I view it. So does that mean that he is awesome and that everything he teaches is good? We don't know. So we got to be careful. So I looked up this person's um, website, and then I went to Statement of Faith. And I, I don't think I should say the name, but, and I don't know if anybody would know who he is, but since this get, goes out over a podcast, I'll, I'll try to keep his name out of it. But I really liked the way he preached. <clears throat> and I looked up there. When you go to a website, you can go to About Us or About and click on that. And, and then it'll say, have some listings that you can go to. So I pulled up their statement of faith. And I wanted to find out what they believed and how they described what they believed. And they had 14 different things listed in their statement of faith. Number one was the Holy Bible. And then they described what they thought about the Holy Bible. And remember what I said last week about the in the originals? That was in their statement. So that tells me that they do, they do not trust anything we have today in a modern translation. They don't really trust it completely because only in the originals was it perfect. But now... I don't know. So he uses several different translations, different versions of the Bible. I did pick up on that. You know, you should know by now, that I have complete confidence in the King James Bible. Complete confidence. I don't think there's any mistakes in it. Uh, even Easter. It's the only Bible version that has Easter. It's King James. And you can look at it and you can say, oh, I see why that's wrong, and take the, uh, what men think, and change it to Passover. And for the most part, it probably doesn't matter one way or the other. Probably doesn't matter. But I think that it should say Easter, and I have a very good reason behind it, okay? 
you know that all the new translations, all the new versions of the Bible, almost all of them, there's no Calvary in the new ones. In the NIV, the ESV, the New American Standard, there is no Calvary in, that, in those Bibles. No Calvary. You can only find it in Luke in the King James. But yet we have churches named Calvary Baptists and Calvary whatever, and we have all these songs in our hymnals talk about Calvary. But it's not in any of the new versions. So I like the King James Version. That's, that's just a couple reasons why. So that was one of their statements of faith, uh, number one. Then they had number two was Trinity. Very good definition of what the Trinity is. It was perfect. Then number three was Jesus Christ and who he was and what they thought of him. Excellent. And it was number three. That's, that's a good number, three for Jesus. But three for Trinity would have been good too. Uh, then number four, their statement on the virgin birth. It was really good. Number five, resurrection. And then number six, and I thought this was really clever. I don't know if they did this on purpose or not, but it was about the sinful nature of man. Like number six, that's cool. Redemption was number seven. Good for, good for seven. And then salvation, what they thought of salvation was number eight, number of new beginnings. Whether this has anything to do with the way they put it in order, I doubt it. But number nine was eternal life. Now, in that statement of eternal life, they talked about heaven, but then they said the opposite of that is eternal separation from God. But they did not mention hell. Something, that's a little bit of a red flag. And then 10 was water baptism. Excellent description of water baptism and how it needs to come after true salvation and all that. Very good description. Number 11 was baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number 12 was the body of Christ, the church. It was good. And then 13 was rapture. The de their, their definition was awesome and the second coming perfect. The title of today's message is Baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was our number 11. Now here's their definition of it. They said, a second experience subsequent to salvation for born-again believers, it gives power to witness, to go out and witness, and supernatural strength to live the crucified life. Most of that sounds really good, and I agree with, but is it a second experience subsequent to salvation? Is it? Not in our statement of faith. Now, most charismatic churches, now I don't know if they, it didn't, most charismatic churches have this in their statement of faith. But along with it, they say that the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost is speaking in unknown tongues. Now, I have gone to those churches in the past. I've been a part of churches like that in the past. Notice I'm not in those churches anymore. I'm here. And they will tell you it's a second experience after you believe and you're born again, and then you get this baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then with evidence of speaking in tongues and doing all these other crazy stuff. Some of them even expect you to swing from the chandeliers. That was supposed to be funny. <clears throat> I've been to those churches where the people run around and do all this crazy stuff. I've been there, all right? And I just 
watched them do it, thinking these people are crazy. Now, this particular website did not mention the speaking in unknown tongues. It did not mention it. But what about this second experience? Now, under each and every one of these, they had scripture verses that you can look up that backs up why they say what they say in their statement of faith. Scripture verses. Important. So, we're going to look at some of those scripture verses. In uh, Acts, turn to uh, first chapter, and this is one of the references that they use. They talk about the very beginning, and it says, this is uh, starting with verse 5 of chapter 1 of Acts, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. It's not going to be long, and you're going to be not just baptized with the baptism of John, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. And then it says, when they, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, now they're talking to Jesus. They are asking him, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They were looking for an actual kingdom to be set up by a Messiah. And Jesus said, uh, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye, talking, all of them that he's talking to, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Notice how they're going to start right in... It's going to start in Jerusalem. Critical that it starts there. And then they're going to go into Judea, Judea and then the Samaria. That's the mixed race. That's Jews and Gentiles mixed together. You're actually... You want us to go there? Holy Spirit is going to come inside of you, and this is what you're going to do, and you're going to go preach the gospel to those people, and after that, then you're going to end up going to the uttermost parts of the earth. You mean to all Gentiles? You mean just Gentiles? Wow, this is weird. Now over in chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, now this, now it's finally, hence, hence has come. On the day of Pentecost, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That means they all came to church. They were all gathered together. And suddenly there came a sound from, a, from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, this was a very special day that people came from all over the place to Jerusalem and they spoke in different languages from all those places they came from. And they all gathered together. So they didn't, uh, this group didn't understand what that group was saying because they spoke different languages. They were all Jews, they were all devout men, but they did not understand each other's languages. Do you understand that? Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude 
came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Did you, did you hear that? These Galileans who didn't know any foreign language, they, were, they couldn't even speak their own language all that good. They said, ain't. They said, more gooder. They couldn't even speak their own language all that great, but now these people coming from all these different places who spoke different, they were listening to them speak the Word of God in their own language, and they were like, how could this be? They're unlearned men. So that was the miracle. It wasn't that they were speaking in a bunch of gibberish that nobody could understand. They were actually speaking to where this group could hear the gospel in their own language, and that group in theirs, and that group in theirs. It was a supernatural gift that needed to happen so that people could hear the Word of God. Alright, so that's one of their references. Well, actually, that wasn't in their reference. The first part I said out of one is. Okay, now let's go to Acts 8. Now, Acts 8 and then over in Acts 19 are the two main references that they use as proof that it's a second experience. Starting with verse 9. Starting with verse 9 of, of Acts 8. Now, I'm, I'm reading way more than what the verses they, they picked, okay? They only wanted you to read 15, 16, 17, something like that. But what gets people, religious people, church-going people, what gets us into more trouble than anything? It's pulling scriptures out. Pulling them out and not understanding them in the context. You can make your case for almost anything if you just pull things out. Our news media are great at that. They just pull certain things certain people say to make them look bad and purposely leave out the other things. Okay? So we're going to read this in context. And you're going to get a really cool story out of it as well. Started with nine, but there was a certain man called Simon. Now, this isn't Peter. This is a different guy, Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. And to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. He was impersonating a godly man, and he was doing it through these sorceries these, these uh, uh, demonic powers, and to him they had regard because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What? Women? Oh, man, women. This is awesome. Then Simon himself believed also, whoa, Simon, this sorcerer dude, he believed. Notice it says he believed also, and when he was baptized, he even went through baptism. He continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Why were there so many miracles and signs being done at this time? Because it was a new venture. It was new. They needed to see those things, that this is real. 
This is special. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. See there? They believed, they even went through some baptism, so now they're going to get these apostles to come down and lay hands on them, and they're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Sounds, sounds like it's a second thing. It says it right here. As for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, talking about the Holy Spirit was fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of Jesus, Lord Je the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, Peter goes after him and says, Look, you're in danger of perishing. You're in danger. Listen, he's already believed. He's already been baptized in the name of Jesus, and now he sees the Holy Ghost being, being put on people, and he wants that power, and he offers money. And Peter basically said, look, you need to repent of what you're doing, and you need to ask God to forgive you, and he's like, okay, okay. And he does. You can read the rest of it yourself, okay? But that's a pretty good case that it's a second work if you only read this verse or the, this, part, this story. All right, now go over to Acts 18. Acts 18, starting with verse 24. Another really good story about a guy. And this is Acts 18, 24. And we're going to read a little while. It's going to be, we're going to get over into 19, a little ways into 19. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, red flag. When you see Alexandria, watch out. Now, notice it says, an eloquent man. That's the type that come out of Alexandria. They're very eloquent. Mighty in the scriptures. Yep, that's the way they are. Now, Alexandria is a place where all the new versions of the Bible originate from. Keep that in mind. No wonder that there's things missing in the new versions of the Bible. Because, and, they, and, they, and it's, oh, it's easier to read. It's modern English. And it fixes all the mistakes that we made in the past. Oh, so you mean God didn't preserve His Word until now? With this new version, you finally got it figured out. You must be awesome that you figured it out. And you're saying in that that the King James Bible had, was wrong. Well, they come from Alexandria. They're very intellectual. Those people are very intellectual and they're mighty in the Scriptures, but look, look at this Apollos. Mighty in the Scripture, he came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. He only knew the baptism of John? He hasn't even got the baptism of Jesus Christ, and he doesn't really have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
But only knowing the baptism of John, he was still able to convince people that he knew everything. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly or more completely. Get that? Just because somebody on the internet is speaking mighty words and they sound so smart and they've got doctor in front of their name. Well, this particular person that I looked up, uh, it's doctor so-and-so. I had never heard of him before. And there's others that have doctor. Very, very smart. But does that mean that they're complete or do they need some nobodies who really know the Word of God to show them things? So luckily, Apollos was made more perfect and complete in his belief system. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, with, which had believed through grace, so Priscilla and Quilla did an awesome job with this guy. And now they have sent word before this guy's good now. And he was. We know, who, we know how Apollos turned out. He was awesome. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. That's important. Now, 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Now, a lot of the newer versions, they, they say it maybe even more accurately uh, than this, but when you believed, did you get the Holy Ghost? Is what this is saying, is what it's asking. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now these are believers in Jesus, and they haven't even heard about this Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. So here's some more. They were devout people, but they were only baptized under John's baptism. And what did John say? There's one greater than me coming... And I'm just preparing the way for him, but they were still under the old way. And now, uh, then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and... When Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. So it was about twelve of them that he came up on, and that's what happened. Again, another reference. I know why they use these references, because it supports what they believe. See it? Now... The last few verses here talk about how Paul went into the synagogue and there was people who had their hearts hardened and they didn't believe and they talked evil of this gospel message in the synagogue. Can you believe that? 
Well, guess what? It happens today too. And even Paul couldn't convince them. And Paul departed from them and had to divide the disciples. Okay, now for the final part. What they left out. A very convenient leaving out of Scripture to back up what they believe. So, turn backwards to Acts 10. There are certain things we like to leave out of the stories, right? It's like, how much money did you make today? Well, I made $500, but I had, uh, I had $620 in expenses. You just leave that part out. You brag about how much you made, but then you're, you don't even want to think about all the stuff that caused all the, the loss. We don't like to talk about everything. Well, this is a very good story that needed to be told. So, are we supposed to believe today, for us Gentiles, that the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes sometime after when you're born again? Are we supposed to believe that? Now, those two places I just showed you is very convincing. But look at uh, Acts 10. Are you all ready? This is an awesome story. Another guy, Cornelius. He is a Gentile, happens to live in the Jewish areas, but he's a centurion, so that means he's a Gentile. And most of y'all know this story pretty well. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. That means that he, that alms was giving to the poor. So this is a good man. Notice that he's a good man. And one that feared God with all his house. Did you hear that? He is giving money to the poor, and he actually fears God. But he's a Gentile. Look, very important that you pick up on this. Which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. This guy's not even born again. But he's giving money to the poor, and he fears God. This is strange. I thought if you weren't saved, you were just totally depraved, and you didn't do anything good. Well, you need to understand that the hardest people to convince that they need the Lord Jesus are the people who think they're really good that care about the poor, who care about the minorities, who care about, they have a bleeding heart, they care, care, care. They even believe that there is a God. And you can worship Him however you choose, whichever religion you want, and they're so compassionate. They're good people that won't harm anything. But if they don't know Jesus, that good awesome person is going to die and go to hell one day, right? And now, send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. 
Now we know that, uh, oh, the next verse, this is cool. Notice this is going, the gospel going to the Gentiles. Six, he lodgeth with one Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. Of course it would be by the seaside. You know what the seaside represents? Going out to the Gentile nations. The house represents Israel. Jesus came out of the house and went down by the seaside. Matthew 13, 1. <clears throat> okay, seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. All right, so we know that as all this is going on, Peter is at this place, and he uh, is hungry, and they're fixing him something to eat, and he falls into a trance when he's up on the roof, and this big sheet-looking thing comes down out of heaven, and it says, uh, uh, God tells Peter, Arise, Peter, kill, and eat. It's one of Jamie's favorite verses. Arise, Jamie, kill, and eat. Yeah. Okay. Peter, and Peter's looking at all these unclean animals that he's seen. He's like, Lord, nothing unclean has ever been in my mouth. No way. And God tells him, look, don't call what I have said is clean, unclean. And like, what? This is weird. And then, as he comes out of this trance, these three men have come to see him. Three have come to find him. And he comes out of this trance, and he's like, hey, these, these guys are down here wanting you. And he goes down and goes, what's up? And they said, well, you know, our, our, my guy back there, talking about Cornelius, he told us to come. An angel said that we should come and find you, and you will come and tell us these great words. And Peter's like, well, I guess I better do this. So he does. And he goes to Cornelius' house. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the, this is right before they leave. On the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, certain brethren accompanied Peter. Do you know how many people accompanied him? Three came to Peter to take him back. How many of them went down to Cornelius' house? Think about it. It's a very significant number. And you're not going to see it right here. Any guesses? Seven. Seven go down to Cornelius. <clears throat> okay. Uh, and... The morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and he called together his kinsmen and near friends, and as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Bad. Really bad, right? He didn't know any better. But what does Peter do? Does he soak it all up? Look at this guy. He's worshipping me. I'm awesome. No. But Peter took him up, saying, stand up, I myself also am a man. No man should ever receive any worship. That would be a terrible thing to do. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. All these people had come together in anticipation of the preacher showing up. Now, Peter goes in, and he, he gives them the words of God. He's bringing the gospel to them. And these are Gentiles. They haven't received anything like the Holy Spirit. They haven't received it at all. They weren't even going to be baptized by John. They were outsiders, like most of us. 
whole lot more I wanted to read, but I'm going to skip down to 34. Listen very carefully. This is what Peter said, and look at what happens after he speaks this. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. He did all those good things, but yet they took him and hung him on a tree and killed him. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead, or the alive and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness. All the prophets talked all about him a long time ago, hundreds of years ago, a thousand years ago, that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. That's an awesome message, isn't it? That's a gospel message. And Peter's preaching it. Now look what happens. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. The, did you get it? The Holy Ghost fell on all of them. Just like that. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, notice the order of this. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? They got filled with the Holy Ghost before they even got believer's baptism. That means that the Holy Ghost comes on you the moment you believe the gospel story. So is it a second work? Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to tarry certain days, to hang out. Because there's a lot more we need to know out of this good word. It's not about just getting saved one day and then going on about your business. You know, we, we are supposed to be people who, Adrian Rogers said it very well, the church. What are we supposed to be doing as a church? He says, a New Testament church, a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church is a mighty weapon in the hands of a holy God. And God's pattern for such a church is found right here in the book of Acts. The purpose of the church is to exalt the Savior. That's number one. 
We are to lift up Christ. We are to explain the matter of His life, the meaning of His death, the miracle of His resurrection, and the magnificence of His reign. And the church grew because they lifted up Jesus. The purpose of the church is to evangelize the sinner, to go out and preach these awesome messages to those who need to hear it. And the third thing that the church is supposed to do is to enlist the saints. Those believers continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They grew by studying the Word, praying, worshiping, and fellowshipping together. When Peter got back home, all of his brothers, all of his Jewish people said, what is up with all this? We heard you went into the house of Gentiles and stayed with them and ate with them. And he's told them the whole story of what had happened, the dream that he saw, and those, those unclean animals, and God said, don't call them unclean. And what it meant, he, he goes through, if you read 11, he, he, he recounts the whole story to his people. And then he gets over to the part where he says, and the Spirit bade me go with them. The Spirit is compelling you to go out and do the same thing. Nothing doubting. Doubt, doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house, and he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. And then listen to what he said. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I, sh I could withstand God? Why would you do anything other than what God is calling you to do? If the Holy Spirit's telling you to go, go. Because it's for even those people out there that you think are lost forever and there's no hope in them, go to them. When they heard these things, this is what the guys said. When Peter explained all this, they said, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word and giving us the instructions that we need to be a good church. Father, we want to be a Spirit-filled church. And Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit will come down on us. Father, we understand by these words that when we believe that we are filled with the Holy Ghost, that the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. But Father, we are also told in your word that we 
can be filled with a special anointing by the Holy Ghost on a daily basis. And Father, we need that filling on a daily basis. Father, we believe that we have the Holy Ghost. Father, we believe that Jesus died on the cross. His blood cleansed us from our sins. And Father, to get salvation, we cannot add anything to that. But, after we're saved, you have called us to go out to those who have not been saved. And Father, you want to enlist the saints to do that job. And Father, we are powerless without the Holy Spirit to do so. Father, we recognize that. We are so grateful for all that you've done for us. You give us the ability. Father, we just stand here in awe. We are just praying to you, knowing that Jesus needs to be lifted up. Father, we just thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.